Conforto splashes one well the other way. Base hit. That ties the game. Alonso in. Fires the third. It's Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Shea Station podcast, the newest Mets podcast brought to you by John Boy Media. This is episode 14. The date is September 24th. 2021 the Mets are out of the race and I'm joined by my dear friend former Mets pitcher Gerald Blevins has anyone ever called you Gerald before that was kind of a spur of the moment decision there it has <laughs> it has I get Gerald I get uh Jerome a lot Jeremy is Jerome's very good. popular I want to I, I want to share something with you that I found on your on your baseball reference page today which I thought was oh, really okay. interesting speaking of can we just shout out that I hate I'm not like a I'm vain and like particular ways sure but the picture that baseball reference and it's from spring training i like where it, it looks like i have a jerry curl from like the <laughs> early 90s late 80s i i, I can't stand it it really doesn't look i hate it so it. much it really doesn't look I, do, I it's for me seeing it i'm just like oh whoa and if you hover over the picture you get older pictures and i have oakland a's jerry here whoa Wow, that's a throwback. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing you could. You do. got like some sideburns going a little bit here, clean shaven. Oh yeah, so you those are. I had about. the I had the Joe Maurer sideburns for for a couple of years. That was before I could grow this, so I was like, "This is all I got." Oh, so your beard came in late in life. Yeah, it's okay. still coming in. Some would say that gives me hope. I had a chin strap for a, for a tiny bit of time, which is. Not great. We all go through phases. Exactly. Yeah. No, no like, because uh, I tried growing a beard in college, and, like, I also had a chin strap, but, like, it was mostly neck, too. Like, it was just a bad time. But you getting your beard late in life, is, it, it gives me hope. You know? It gives me hope, and that's important. There's hope. Me. There's hope. And it continues to get... Yeah. No, it's it's connecting. Yeah. As it gets gray up here, it starts to fill in a little more and more. I'm a big fan of, like gray hair on men i think it's a good look i feel like we should accept it more as a society honestly i i completely agree with it and for women to be honest i think like a uh a, a, like a solid gray i like the look yeah. i mean there's young there's young women out there dyeing their hair that like like that, that like silver metallic color. silver yeah i think it's cool honestly yeah i do too uh, but for me, I feel like I've I've earned all these grays. Like I can be like, all right, that was like the the diaper change at three in the morning. Where... Oh, I thought you were gonna say pitching in the playoffs or something like that, not diaper changes. Yeah, no, that this one was the 2018 season. <laughs> okay, there and you this go. This was there the 2018 go. season, and then that one was the 2018 season. Okay, so <laughs> most of it is the 2018 season. Got it. Yes, understood. It was a very trying. What I was gonna say before, because we instantly got sidetracked, because that's what we do on uh, Shea Station Pod, is that your one of your nicknames, because you got Blev, you got Jerry. Jerry, but you also have Gordo. And I don't know if you know, but uh, our, our buddy Talking Jake, he also goes by Poppy Gordo. So you guys have that in common. I don't even think you guys realize that you have a similar I nickname. I didn't know there. that. Yeah. Poppy Gordo and regular Gordo. Gordo is a very particular... Um, I had my locker next to Joanna Cespedes during the first players weekend, and he literally calls me Gordo. It's like one of those, you know... You call a short guy tall. You call a real big fat guy tiny. He calls me Gordo. It's kind of funny. <laughs> Everybody else, like all the other Latin players, all my other teammates call me Flacco or Jer. Uh, and so I was sitting next to, we had to like, we had to submit our players weekend jerseys like absurdly early. So there were like, because MLB wanted to cross check, make sure there's nothing innuendo inappropriate out there, which they didn't get all of them. So they were like, it's like March, April, like April 20th. And we're talking about a game in August, September. And they're like, what name is it? And he's like, Cespi is like, hey, Gordo. And I'm like, Gordo. 
Gordo, perfect. So that's how Gordo. But you, you did came do about. Jerry, Jerry one time because I remember it like going across the sides like that. Yeah, the, the last the two years I did the you know because like I <laughs> I had an opportunity to think about it a little bit longer, and uh, my good friend Sean Doolittle had do. That's a good one. Like all the fans, and so I was like, you know, I get some Jerry chance every once in a while, so I figured I'd do that. Where did Sean end up actually? Ohio, Ohio native uh, Jerry Springer. I know oh, yeah. you're probably too young to remember Jerry. Springer. No, I know Jerry Springer. Come on, cut me some slack. Okay, what's going on here? So, <laughs> I I'm just being honest. We're, <laughs> we, we have a we have an age gap, a, a pop culture uh, difference, but uh, that's you know, I love that. That's my jersey. I actually have it. Uh, my brother has that because we had a like, who are you playing for? Kind of like little league sponsor, and I put my big brother's name on there. Nice. Um, and so he has that in his man cave. I like that a lot. Well, shout out Sean Doolittle. He's with the, I just looked him up because I was like, where did he end up? Because I know he's with the Reds. He's with the Mariners right now with our friends uh, Paul Seawald and Chris Flexen. So good for him. Hope he's playing yeah, well. That's right. He's killing it over there. I'm, I'm happy for him. Man, they are. They are. So uh, outside of the Mets, the wild card on both leagues, like Very it's fun. insane. Very fun. You've got Oakland, who's like a powerhouse over there. The Mariners are chasing. Well, the Mariners just took him out. Yeah, they Mariners won five in a row, swept the A's. So. They're moving. They're two games Seawald, out. Seawald, I think, got two saves like crazy. Yeah, so good for them. But the the playoff races outside of Queens, the playoff races are are fantastic. I, I'm enjoying it as a third-party fan where I have no emo- emotional investment and I don't wake up every day stressed and I uh, have to watch every inning of every game. I can just enjoy my time because fall is my, fa- my favorite season and it's kicking in now. Like we had 60-degree weather out there today. It was super nice. So I'm just – I'm zen right now. I'm calm good that's like uh the the fall is the best for me like the i like to wear that's why like living in the bay area for so long in the beginning parts of my career every day is fall weather so i could like put on a light jacket or a sweatshirt or a hoodie and be so comfortable yeah i really i just love hoodie weather i like short sleeves and long pants it's good it's a nice combo (laughs) i agree well you had a fun week man you were on tv this week can i hear a little bit about it It sounded like it was a yeah man it was fun, man. So I got to do the the pre and post game uh, with the SNY crew. It was fantastic. I was in great hands. They're they're top notch. You know, like New York City's the the cream of the crop in every aspect, and the SNY crew staff talent uh, is no exception. It was a it was a blast, man. We got our butts kicked in Boston, but I still had a good time. Like I was selfishly like, this is fun. Yeah, of course. You know, watching pros like Todd Zeal and you know Gary Apple, the the legend do his thing. I, I was talking, Gary texted me yesterday saying like, you know, it was nice to have you on. And I'm like talking to my wife. I'm like, Gary Apple, who's that? She's like, I've been watching Gary Apple for years. Like I know him. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, you were a part of this life too. So. Yeah. Like as like with having the baseball wife, how well versed is she in all this? Like, I assume she knows players that you played with, but like, does she know the personalities? Like I, she knew Gary Apple. So that's pretty good. Yeah. She's, she's pretty like, you know, well-versed in all of it because she was very involved. Like we became veterans in Oakland and then we moved, we moved to New York, you know, she's involved with the wives and the wives are very involved with the players and, and organizing stuff. Um, but she was, you know, once we had our kids, she kind of had to take a, a big step back. Of course, of course. Uh, but yeah, but she's, she, she's nails and all this. She knows everything that's going on. It was weird seeing you in a suit. I had never seen you in a suit before. You had the the, the tight little bun going in the back. It had to be very <laughs> neat and professional. That was funny. Yeah, man. I uh, I love wearing suits. Like 
my skinny frame isn't built for a baseball uniform because it just accentuates that I'm skinny, <laughs> but in a real suit tailored well, like look I nice. look better in a suit than I do in a uniform. So I enjoy wearing a suit. Yeah, I like to. You made it. You made. I uh, I caught a little bit of it. Obviously, I put it on my Twitter. Um, but I you made a you you caught something really good in uh, the Mets. Uh, loss when Marcus Stroman pitched, but I, which I thought was really interesting. And as soon as you pointed it out, I was like, oh, yeah, how did I not see that? Uh, when Stroman gave up his homer to, I think it was J.D. Martinez, he had a, a, a certain grip. I think he was going for, like, I forget what what you said. If it was, I, point is, he changed his grip because he couldn't find the right fingering, and as soon as he changed it and threw it, he gave up a home run. He, like, I just, like, because you caught that from, you know, just watching the game regularly, because, like, how, how does that go? Because I, I assume no one fed you like, hey, look at this frame in this inning and like talk about this. So in the in the SNY studios, it's like a like a bullpen you see in the newsroom, like all those pictures. So it's like a bunch of cubicles open aired and everybody's sitting down with their masks on and talking to each other. We're watching the game together, taking notes. And in that third inning, Marcus Stroman got out of a big bases loaded jam and so I'm talking to our producer and our, our film editors, and we're trying to chop up, you know, because that could be a huge turning point in the game. And as I'm doing that, it kind of falls apart later. Um, and so it changes the narrative. But I noticed that, like, I noticed in that third inning that Stroman was searching, like trying to figure it out because he didn't look comfortable. And I've been there. And so that's the kind of that's the kind of insight that I have that that the people that haven't done it before don't. And so I, they, they made sure that I emphasize like things that I see that most people wouldn't. And that's one of them because he was just searching and trying to be comfortable, trying to find something. And I've been there to where I've had a grip and it's the grip that I've used my entire life for 30 plus years. And all of a sudden it feels foreign in your hand and you don't know what to do. And you, you switch it up just to make something feel comfortable. And uh, so I noticed it and highlighted. I'm glad you glad you enjoyed it. I, I thought it was really cool. I mean, is that like a, a, an issue with the ball or is that just it happens sometimes like there's no two ways about it? it? It's not really a baseball issue. It's it's just like sometimes your your body, it doesn't feel correct and, and in sync. And you're like he talked about his mechanics and post game where nothing feels right. Like it, the ball doesn't feel good in your fingertips. You're opening your front side. Like there's just so many things that have to go right in the sequence of throwing a baseball that if, if it feels off, like you're searching for it, like a pro like him, he's usually able to figure that out in a couple of pitches and come back to it and get, get right. Um, but he just was constantly searching. He did a great job of, he went five and gave up four against that offense when he had nothing after the second inning where he just, he just battled. And so I was impressed um, with how well he did with what he was, how little he had con considering, you know, but yeah, it was fun, man. I had a blast. So uh, again, I don't know if I told you this on Saturday. So I just got back yesterday. I'll be flying back to New York tomorrow morning. I'll be doing the color for the WOR radio. Very nice. Are you doing that with, uh, with Wayne Rendezzo? I'll be with Ed Coleman, oh, the, okay. the the vet. Yeah, so we've been filling in, you know, with Howie, you know, on the mend. Uh, there's there've been some mix and match here, and so uh, I'll be coming in and, and trying my hand at radio. They say I have a face for radio, so I don't know if that was a compliment. A face for wait, is that like <laughs> is that a little backwards compliment? No, that's a that's a like, hey man, you did good on TV, but you got a face for radio. If that makes sense. No. I think you have a voice for radio. We'll see how it goes. Thank now. you. Well, we'll have a good time. You know, I'm just, I'm in retirement trying to figure out what I enjoy doing. I get to do this. I love this. I actually really enjoyed doing the TV stuff. 
give my hand a give a shot at the at the radio. So. You're kind of like Peter Moreland because Moreland does TV stuff a little bit too. So like you know, mix and match. You got a bunch of talents. My, you got to use them. You know. Uh, that guy's got a head of hair and a smile full of teeth, man. What a smile on that guy. Got to get a meeting of the minds there with you too. That'd be nice. I love that guy. Peter, great man. I've played with so many different Australians in my day. I never got the chance to play with Peter, but um, I've heard nothing but great things. And I've had... You got Grant Balfour. Did you get Liam Hendricks or no? He was with the A's. For I did. Minute. I was in spring training with Liam. Uh, Travis Blackley in Oakland, Luke Hughes, who is in Oakland. Uh, so I, we had three on our team at the same time in Oakland, which is chaos. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. All right. So we got, so we got an off season app for you guys today, even though the season's still going on, but you know, Mets, uh, the Francisco Lindor even said himself that, you know, the season is all but over. The Mets should have got, you know, a few more wins, whatever, that kind of thing. But uh, I first wanted to shout out a couple birthday Mets because we had two birthdays over the past two days, including today. Yesterday was Trevor May, part of John Boy Media. So shout out Trevor. Hope you had a good birthday on your day off. And today is our dear friend who's recovering from injury, Drew Smith. It's his birthday today. So two bullpen oh, guys, two man, birthdays. That's excellent. What's Drew, like 21? Drew's like young. I'm, I got to check this out, actually. He's uh, like a puppy. But we got to well, hopefully we'll get Drew on the show. Happy the birthday to both of those guys. I'll have to send them a message. Drew is a follower. I'm a bad guy. I feel like a bad oh, friend. Come on. You didn't know. I'm I'm horrible with birthdays. I, I will go on the record and say I that. have to. I think it. I'm like a sentimental person. So I plug in people's um, birthdays because I want to say, you know, happy birthday or, or certain moments. Uh, I enjoy those little like emotional, you know, trying to reach out. So I feel it's like I gotta a, send I, Drew I'm, Smith I'm and thinking of you, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, just a little little piece of of friendship. You'll be surprised to learn that Drew Smith is 28. I thought he was younger. Oh, what an old man! Oh, he's his, he's over. His life's over. He's fully grown. Uh, shout out Drew. Drew follows Shea Station on Twitter, which I thought was pretty cool. Good dude. I hope he's he's got to be coming back soon, right? Yeah, he's he on a rehab. Right rehab. Now. Yeah, so he'll be back. Man, what a season he's put he put together. Yeah, 2.4 in 31 games. He was really like the heart and soul of the Mets bullpen. Really underrated piece. He looked he looked so good when he was healthy when he came back. So he's one of those one of those few bullpen weapons that the Rays gave up for something, which I thought was really interesting. Not a lot of guys like Drew Smith in that way. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, they're so good at at recognizing talent and developing it um, that they probably like have to pick and choose and i'm happy that the that drew smith came over because he fits like he's gonna he's gonna have a great career like his personality his his drive his work ethic uh he's gotten better every year and so i'm excited for him and i hope he hope he stays healthy hopefully we can chat with him in the offseason i i should uh, send him a message see what's up there but uh we got as i mentioned before some offseason stuff for you guys today we're going to talk a little bit of the qualifying offer uh, for those who don't know, we're going to do a little brief rundown. I want to get Jerry's thoughts because you told me something before the show, which I thought was interesting. You have some gripes with the QO, but let me explain what it is first and why it's relevant to the Mets right now. Uh, the qualifying offer, it was first introduced mid-2010s as part of the, the CBA back then, collective bargaining agreement. We're getting a new CBA next year, so look out for that. Uh, it gives teams who want to re-sign their players an advantage before the free agent market opens up. Uh, and it's like sort of a universally accepted rate. I think it, last year it was $18.9 million um, for one year. And it's basically like if a player wants to, if they're not satisfied with their performance in one year and they want to try and lock down a big deal, taking the, quali the qualifying offer may be advantageous to them because they kind of get to parlay one more season 
hopefully are is a little bit more productive and then they can enter and try and get their big deal. Uh, and there are a couple of restrictions that go into the QO as well. It's any team that signs a player who has rejected a qualifying offer uh, is subject to the loss of one or more draft picks. So if you offer some guy this qualifying offer, he doesn't take it, but then you decide we want to bring him back anyway, you get penalized for that. So there is uh, some pitfalls in the QO itself. Uh, and players who have never received a qualifying offer before can obviously be offered it, and players who have spent the entire uh, season on that team's roster can be offered it as well. So no Javier Baez since he was traded uh, in the middle of the season, and no Marcus Stroman because he took it last season uh, for the 2021 year. Uh, now, you said you have some some gripes with how the QO works, and I wanted to pick your brain a little bit about that. The 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 I have a, a gripe with the overall general concept. So first of all, it's like the, the qualifying offer, the number that they come up with, it's the top 125 Major League Baseball players at like salaries, and it's like the average of the top 125. So it, it fluctuates depending on who's making top dollar. Um, the overall definition of the qualifying R offer is designed to penalize the team that signs that free agent. So it penalizes them by making them, the team, give up draft picks. And so like if the Mets signed somebody that was that rejected the qualifying offer, they would have to give up their second first round pick. So they have two because they didn't sign Kumar Rocker. The, they would have to give up that second one. Whatever the highest one is, is you get to keep that. It's the next pick. And for the Mets, it would be a first rounder. So it disincentivizes teams to, to sign a guy. So it, it, these, these free agents that reject a qualifying offer because they're so good, like, um, like Javi Baez or, you know, think about if Noah Syndergaard had a Noah Syndergaard season full health, he would reject the qualifying offer. Well, a team is going to be excited to get him, but they're also have to weigh in that like, all right, well, we have to give up a, a high value draft pick. And so this player is like, coming as a free agent it's not free agency it's it's free agency except for you have this you know draft pick compensation attached to you so i don't like it because because it these these ball players that have spent their entire careers chasing this free agency on a chance to make you know a great amount of money these guys have a hard time with teams like the rays or the a's the the, the really value that want to go after a guy they have to give up something big it's it's tough. It's tough. It's also tough for the guy because I like sometimes they may earn uh, less than they deserve based on the fact that like you know this team is weighing the uh, the cost of losing that draft pick and that affects how much they're going to offer. So I totally get that side of things. Yep. And so for the team, you know, they got to weigh some like it's it's. I just I'm not a big fan of if it's a free agent, he's a free agent. You shouldn't penalize a team for wanting a guy that's not that's a free agent. Their home team had a chance to sign him and they still have a same chance to sign him. So I, I, I don't like that. That's, that's beside the point, but for Javi Baez, the, the Cubs trading him was the best thing that they could have done for him because now he doesn't have the ability to get that qualifying offer. So he's completely unencumbered. He is actually entering the real free agency. So that's, I'm excited for him. And he's going to get a boatload and we'll get, we'll get to him in a little bit, but we have two guys that are, are the most likely candidates to receive this qualifying offer on the Mets. You mentioned Noah Syndergaard. Um, they might try, They I, I have this thought in the back of my mind that they might not offer him that QO just because they, maybe they want to lowball him because of the injury riddled season. I don't know if the Mets will do that, but 
the only reason why I might think so is because they have the other candidate in Michael Conforto, who is due for one of these big outfielder deals. But he has competition in guys like Mark Canna, Starling Marte, Abisil Garcia. So, I mean, Conforto has some competition on the market, but he's still one of these marquee guys. I don't know if the Mets are going to offer him that big deal. I think they really want him to take that QI. I think they're definitely going to offer it to him. But I want to see what you think as well. Well, I mean, they're, they'd be silly not to offer it to Conforto because, A, they're either going to get these draft picks if he rejects it and signs somewhere else, um, or B, he's going to take it and they get this guy at his prime for a year for cheap because they won't have to sign him long-term. And so it's a, it's a win-win for the Mets um, because they get a great player at one year. And if they don't, they're going to get draft picks because he's a, he's a phenomenal player and somebody's going to sign him. Yeah, so the Mets could have a loaded up first round yeah and i think uh, i think for noah Syndergaard, i think it's a no-brainer for the mets too because they should you know they can they can offer it to him and then try to sign him long term anyway and another team is going to try to to sign him as well i mean if he's no Syndergaard, he's healthy now he's showing that uh coming off tommy john and teams are going to lowball the crap out of him until he signs because he's you know he's young he's affordable um and they're like you see that high-end potential they're like look we'll give you you know four or five years at a lower and average annual value and we'll see where that goes so it's interesting what what Noah's going to do uh and how how his free agent market goes but I think you got to extend it because if they sign back with you it's a win-win because you get Noah Syndergaard and, and Michael Conforto yeah, like I, I definitely agree with what you were saying before about the QO and its faults, but that is what makes it so interesting to me, like what we just mentioned, about how the Mets have this capability to have a stellar draft position after having such a poor draft last year with how Kumar and Rocker went. Um, and I was going to mention uh, before with Noah Syndergaard, you know, the starting pitcher market, it's, it's dense this year with guys like Scherzer and Granke and uh, Robbie Ray and Carlos Rodon. But it's also a lot of older starting pitchers. Adam Wainwright falls into that category as well. Noah Syndergaard is actually going to be one of these few marquee guys that actually is like, you know, still in his prime or still in that younger uh, age range. So that could make him desirable to a lot of teams to get on a long, uh, long-term long deal at a low AAV, like you mentioned. There is that injury risk to it. But I think Noah would be a little foolish to not take that QO, bet on himself, and then try and lock down that big deal. Because, you know, uh, Zach Wheeler rejected the QO, and that's how he got his Phillies deal. And I think Noah could fall into that same category if the Mets don't offer him that big contract after the fact. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I love Noah Syndergaard as a as a talent, and I, I would I don't care who what team you're, if you if you sign Noah Syndergaard, you're getting uh, an extreme talent, and uh, apart from all the baseball stuff, you're getting an extremely marketable player, a guy that is going to sell jerseys, he's going to sell tickets, he it's it's you're getting a superstar and you might get him at a sub, you know, second level superstar because he's injured. So it, it'll be interesting. I, if I'm any team, I'm, I'm poking around trying to sign that guy. I'd love to see him stay in New York, but I would as well. We'll see. Like the Mets can field a rotation right now with what they have. They have DeGrom, they have cookie, they have McGill, David Peterson, and uh, one other name that I'm forgetting right now. Let me scroll and find it. Tywin Walker. So they have five starters right now under control, but having a Noah Syndergaard and like we'll talk about Marcus Stroman too, having those options after the injury depleted year that we have is uh, really important to me in my mind. And like Noah is finally healthy. I think they're going to try and roll him out and have him active at the very end of the season. So you'll see exactly 
where he's at, although it's not a great gauge because he missed the whole year and stuff like that. I think Noah getting a few innings here and there at the end of September is, is pretty cool, even though some fans are a little against it because they want to protect him. But, you know, that's his decision ultimately. Yeah, it's up to him. Whatever he wants. Um, the, again, the most intriguing name on that free agent market for me is Max Scherzer. Oh, yeah. What's our window here? What's the window for the New York Mets to win a World Series? They wanted five years? Yeah, they said three to five years. So for me, the number one thought process in winning a World Series is what kind of Jacob deGrom are we going to get? Because he is the key to winning the World Series. And so if you think it's the next two, three years of him still being at that talent, I go after Max Scherzer, man. Having deGrom and Scherzer at the top would be insane. That's Look what it's doing over in, in, in L.A. Look what it did in Washington with him and Strasburg. Can you imagine Scherzer? And uh, and Degrom in the same rotation. Give that guy three years, ninety million. Do give him the Trevor Bauer deal. That's what I was gonna say. Like he might go for that high AV because he's on the older side, but he's still Max Scherzer. Like he still might. The win guy's he's a future Hall of Famer. I mean, some team might offer him five, six years, but he wants to win World Series. He wants to add to his legacy. Him and him and Degrom, the one-two punch. I'm giving. I'm giving. I might give him three years, one twenty. I don't know. Wow! Because I, I, because what do you, what do you want to do? Are you trying to win a World Series? If this guy is healthy with you and with Degrom, you have a one-two punch. And if one of them, you know, if Degrom has a couple of hiccups, or if Scherzer, or even if you would just want to, even if you want to protect both of their their workloads, you can give them breaks here and there because you're you're not going to miss both of them at the same time. It. <laughs> I, I love Max Scherzer. He's showing that he is still. Uh, he's he's got he's going to win the Cy Young this year. I think he really is just that guy. Yeah, who like Zach Wheeler's having a phenomenal year. Um, he's in the Cy Young contention. Walker Bueller just got beat up a little bit, but he's had a solid year. But outside of that, it's Max Scherzer, and I think he's been the most consistent. And he's like he's doing this. So before yeah before yesterday Scherzer looked like a lock I think he gave up five runs in five innings at cores which like you know it's cores it makes sense but right now it's like it's him it's Corbin Burns maybe a little bit Brendan Woodruff little Zach Wheeler action but Scherzer could take home another Cy Young here and that is, is only going to drive up his value so I, I I get the high AV thing I think he'll go for that and I think the Dodgers are probably going to offer him something nice and it's probably going to be another one of these Mets Dodgers competitions for the top starting pitcher talent and I hope the Mets win this time. I mean, it's kind of good that they didn't win last time because of you know who. I'm not going to talk about him, but he's going to he's going to not have a, a qualifying offer attached to his name either. So he's going to be unencumbered. Yeah, exactly. And he's <laughs> he's I don't know if he wants to play in New York. I, I honestly don't know. Um, he's gotten to see the NL East from the the like from the driver's seat for a long time, and so depends on what he wants to do. So. Yeah, the Mets are one of the teams that he beats up pretty often, so he'd be missing that a little bit. But I, I, I haven't really, I didn't really entertain the thought of Scherzer as a Met just because there are so many uh, targets to address uh, with the Mets. The Mets have a lot of open positions going into the next season, uh, specifically corner outfield positions and second and third. But, you know, at the end of the day, starting pitching does win championships, and having a DeGrom and Scherzer for game one and game two, and even in the event that, you know, the Mets have to play in a wild card game or something, and you have to burn one of DeGrom or Scherzer, well, guess what? You have one of them for game one if you win. So that's, it's really important, because you don't, you don't want that gigantic drop-off from DeGrom to number two, even though, you know, Stroman was fantastic this season. Stroman's not DeGrom. But Scherzer, he's on that that level, that echelon. Yeah, having having the two aces 
that like you talked about it in that wild card game, that one game, you if you can have one of those two guys, you're fine. That's why I think it's so important for the Giants to win that division in the West, whereas the Dodgers don't need to. I mean, of course they want to, and they're chasing that because it's much easier. But if they go into that one game playoff, if the Giants do, who are they going to start? Like Gosman has been phenomenal. He's going to be one of those free agents, but he's kind of had a little, little hiccups here in the second half. Teams have started to, to kind of figure out his game plan a little bit. And he's, he's kind of come back to normal again, phenomenal season. I know he's young, but I would go Logan Webb. Logan Webb has had a Logan Webb, but he's also in brand new territory. He's coming on. This, This is, this is he, this time of year, he had a little bit of a bad start. His last start too, which happens, but he's been great, but he's young. He's super young. Do you want him in that one game? It's, I mean, we threw Noah in 2016 when he was relatively young, not like Logan Webb young, but still Noah was up to the task, you know, seven shutout innings. He He also, you know, he was, he's also Thor. He's also Thor. Does Logan Webb have a nickname like Thor? I don't, you know what? I got to look up Logan Webb's nickname now. That's what we got to do. I don't think he has one. It might be Red. He looks like a baby. I liked him. I was in camp with him in 19. Wow. No nickname for Logan Webb. No nickname. That's messed Probably up. Probably his nickname. I'll give you his nickname. Webby. Webby. That's what I was, I was thinking. Webby or Webby? I mean, that's it. I like Webby. I mean, you, you want to call him Spider-Man if he came over here because of Webb? I was also thinking Spider. Like, that's not bad. Yeah, we got to get Logan Webb a nickname. Come on, guys. What are we doing? Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to earn it. He's only, he's only been around a little bit. Of time. I think he's earned it this year. Again, I think he's going to be a great, going to be a great player. He's having a good season. He's not a great player yet. Yeah, that's true. He'll get there though. He's young. I believe. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we, it's Conforto and Thor for the QO. The Mets have a lot of options outside of Conforto. If he rejects it and goes somewhere else, you get that draft pick. And then you have your choice of two guys from the A's. And uh, you know, I'm a big advocate of, I want to take everything from the Oakland A's and put it on the New York Mets. I want Billy Bean. I want Bob Melvin. <laughs> I want Starling Marte. I want Mark Canna. I want it all. I'm, I'm greedy that way. Uh, the biggest one for me is Mark Canna though. Uh, just cause I, I think that having him and Nemo at the top, these two on base machines to just set up and table set every first inning or whatever would be something special to watch. Do you have Canna's on base right now? Cause I know he's only hitting like in the two thirties. I mean, Cano's on base from the last three years has been fantastic. Like it's kind of been this way since 2019. This he's year, he's been playing some. He plays some decent outfield. Yeah, serviceable. You know, he's good and right. He's serviceable outfield. You know, better than Dom, and Dom is serviceable. Yeah. Dom is not an outfielder, and like you know, it's unfair to compare them. But yeah, much better than no. Dom but that Dom way. plays like this year. He's played decent. Yeah, serviceable outfield. If you get the production, it's, first half it's, was better uh, okay. than the second half for Dom for sure. Um. Mark Canna has a, a 359 this year, and then since 2019, a 378 on base percentage, which is Nemo yeah, that's range. Great. Nemo's 400. Yeah, that's doable. Um, so uh, you you had mentioned it, and yesterday when you when you sent me a message, that uh, the open second base we don't have an open second base. Technically, we don't, but we could. We don't. We don't. You don't think so? You think we it's have J- Robinson Cano is coming back? I don't know if Robinson Cano is going to. That's play the forgotten. Base. What's going to happen? He's going to DH, I think. Now. You don't think oh, so? Oh, that's true. I think he's he might DH. If there's no DH, then but if he's screwed. if he's the D if he's the DH, you 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 pull out Pete Alonso plays first base and Dom is out again because I'd like to DH Pete and Dom is a great like a great first base, but Pete is solid out over there, but he's not Dom. So Dom Dom is a part of your starting lineup next year in that case then. Because that's a whole well, other I mean, very possibly, but but it starts with wh- what are you going to do at second base? Because it's Robbie Cano. 
I mean, I think I, we would see Cano at third before we'd see him at second because I think the Mets want Javi back. But then you also have maybe Jeff McNeil goes back to second base because you don't want him in left field. This is what I'm saying. The Mets have a lot of, one, options, but two, how do you configure all these options and set it up in a starting lineup? The DH makes that a lot easier because it, it kind of brings Dom and JD back into the picture a little bit with the lefty matchups. And Cano can be your lefty platoon DH, or you can play a little bit of third base. But if there's no DH, things get very crowded very quickly for the Mets. Yeah, that's true, man. That's true. Well, they've got so many moving parts. And again, that we talked about it. Their biggest free agents are their front office. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? Are they going to get somebody quick? Because these are decisions that have to start being made. Well, they've, they've, they've already started to set those in place but they have to have an idea of what that roster shape is going to look like. And I think a lot of it, maybe maybe I'm reading a little too much into reports and stuff like that, but I think a lot of it is hinging on the A's performance these next 10 games. They just uh, lost out to the Mariners, got passed by them. They're still in the hunt of things, but if the A's don't make it this year uh, to the playoffs, they have a lot of guys leaving, a lot of players leaving, and Mark Canna and starting Marte. They could be looking to trade Matt Chapman, all that um, so that could influence, you know, the front office guys that we've been targeting to maybe walk away as well. You never know. So I don't know. I mean, if you're talking about getting A's, so Matt Olson is, is established as an MVP candidate. I think Matt Chapman is the best third baseman in defensively, uh, defensively okay. in the game. I think defensively. And I think he's got potential offensively. He had a hip surgery. So he was, he was on his way up. Uh, he tried to play through a hip injury and his offensive numbers like just buried and then he had the hip surgery and he's coming back and he's still not quite there but he's got like 27 28 home runs this year tons of rbi and he plays he got a platinum glove at third base it's incredible he had all that foul territory in oakland he's a one of the one of my favorite young players in this game having been in his spring training that guy is an animal he's a leader as a young man i love it i'd love to get him yeah, I would also love to get him. A lot of fans want to maybe see Carlos Correa at third. Maybe the Mets don't do either, and they operate what they have in-house, and they just try to bring Javi back. Or maybe they try to do it all. But the point being, none of this gets done if you don't have the right people in place in the front office. And I think you're right in that case. That's the first thing that needs to be addressed. You can't have another one of these off-seasons where the guys who aren't normally going to be making decisions make key decisions that will define not only this season, but seasons in the future, because these are all going to be long-term deals for sure. None of these guys are taking one-year offers except for maybe the qualifying offer guys. So I'm watching a lot of A's baseball. So we're, we're talking off-season. We're talking off-season. The biggest off-season ideas are the – it's the front office. Yeah, for sure. And I think we both agree on that because you, you don't know – these guys decide – these guys and and I'm I mean you can hire females. You see what the Marlins are doing. It's it's phenomenal. These people the, the front office decide the shape of the entire roster, and so you got to get that in place moving down. So it should be interesting. Are you available? Oh, I can I can talk. I mean, you know, I, I would have a meeting or two. I don't want to, you know, assistant GM is that a assistant to the assistant to the general manager? I don't know if I would take a position that low. You know, I, I kind of go in <laughs> looking at the top and saying, what can I do? President of baseball ops? Yeah, I think so. I think it'd be a good or just Or just president? I think just president in general. Usurp Steve a like little bit. of the Mets? Or are you talking about we go on so I super high? I dream big, Jerry. I dream big only, okay? I don't look for assistant right. positions. That's how we got here, you know? That's how the Shea Station started. You're not vice president. You're president. I, I dig I it. I think so. I think so. No, I'm just kidding. Making decisions scares me. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> 
That's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure, and everyone's just mad at you all the time. It's crazy. Yeah, no, no, thanks. I'm good. I'll just watch from the sidelines and critique. Yeah, but you could be, you could be a a hero. One day, one day we'll get there. I got to work my way up first. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, the other options that people mentioned outside, which we had mentioned in the past episode is David Stearns, but the Milwaukee Brewers are well on their way to winning the central and possibly going deep in the playoffs. I don't think he's going to leave. I don't think Milwaukee is going to let him leave and they're going to try and lock him up. And then it's Theo Epstein and then a couple other unnamed names. So, if you're a Mets fan, watch some A's baseball, pay attention, lo- look at their players, see what you like, check out some stats. Because, you know, I, in my opinion, I think a lot of these Oakland guys could end up in orange and blue next year, whether it's in the front office or on the field. Yeah, I, I saw a lot of uh, talk about, you know, what have the A's won? What have they won recently? Because the Mets aspirations are World Series. Oakland has famously not won a World Series. So this, these are these are real gripes and real concerns that people have. Um, and as far as David Stearns goes in, in Milwaukee, I mean, you're, you're playing for Milwaukee. It's a, a great organization. They're, they're playing really well, but it's a chance for you to start over and start fresh in a huge market with a huge payroll and really decide something. A lot of people want to create their own. A lot of these talented minds, Theo Epstein, you know, all these guys, Billy Bean did it, uh, want to shape something of their own. They want to create something. And this is a, this is a decent opportunity to do that. So it's very enticing to come to New York. Um, it's a big job. It's a, it's fun one. And if you think you're one of the best to do a job, this is, this is where you go to prove it. Well, I mean, we have a, uh, we, we talked front office a little bit. We do have a large free agent crop of our own guys right now that we do need to concern ourselves with. We have, uh, I laid out five or six key guys here, six, uh, that I think will be big questions for the Mets because, you know, they're going to be looking outside the organization to get some pieces like the outfielders we mentioned before and the large shortstop class. But there are also some guys that had really good years for the Mets this year. There were big pieces of them staying in contention in the first place for as long as they did that uh, could walk away. Uh, one of the big ones that we've mentioned a bunch is Marcus Stroman. Uh, his ask right now, or the projected ask, you know, this didn't come from his mouth, obviously, uh, is six years, $150 million. That's a lot of money to spend. And we had mentioned before the Scherzer AAV deal. I think that might be a little enticing to the Mets, even though it's shorter term. Stroman is young. Stroman's 30 years old. He, he was a consistent beast this season, always gave you five or six, always gave you a chance to win. Uh, and he, he has earned this, this max contract deal that I think he's seeking, this uh, Patrick Corbin-esque deal that I think he'll get. Uh, from one of these teams that, you know, maybe is younger and, you know, is upstart and like has a long uh, contention window. One that comes to mind for me is the Seattle Mariners, just because they seem to love their former Mets with Chris Flexen, Paul Sewell, Jared, Cut- Jared Kelenic. Uh, so I think Stroman's going to get that deal. I don't know if it's going to be with the Mets. I don't know if that's something they'll go for because their window, I, I don't know if I consider it tighter, but their, their window is more urgent in my opinion. I, I find, I love Marcus Stroman as a, as a player. I think he, fits with any team he's going to make your team better no matter what he's deserves his paycheck like i said the mets have a front row seat an insider view on who he is as a human being if they want him around they could pay him if they don't they can let him go they're there it's it's interesting um again he's going to get paid and he deserves it he's been great for us like great he hasn't been degrom scherzer but he's he's that he's uh he's that next level like he's not your He's not, there's, there's very few aces in this game anymore. Right. And not a lot of them are available. I don't think he's an ace. I think he is a number one. I think he is a true front end starter, but the term ace to me doesn't get thrown out. You know, I don't think Walker Bueller's an ace. Wow. He hasn't done it long enough. I don't think 
Jack Flaherty is an ace. Like there's, they're just, there's just not a lot of them. Zach Wheeler, ace. DeGrom, Scherzer. Um, the, the, yeah. The, Can't think of a lot, you know? Yeah. I mean, even Corbin Burns, who's been great this year, Brandon Woodruff. I don't think those guys are aces yet because they haven't established themselves for a long period of time. Zach, um, Grinky no longer an ace on that front end, but he had that long stretch. Those, these are guys that are going to be no matter what year, no matter what thing, they're going to be in the, in the top five and in Cy Young. They're always in that conversation. I see what you're saying. Yes. Yes. And I, it's not, it's not a, it's not a, a, a bad thing to say for Marcus Stroman. He, he probably thinks he's in that category because of his confidence and his pot and, and he may be, he may prove me wrong. I think he's, like I said, I think he's a, a number one somewhere, but he's not, he's not, you know, that level. He's not going to win a Cy Young annually. He's not a Cy Young contender every year. So, so he deserves what he's going to get out on the free market. And I think, I think it's a, a exciting. I think it would be a great get for the Mets. And I hope they do sign him because he's, he's proven that he can do it here. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what approach they take. Yeah, I mean, now now you've planted the seed in my brain of like a DeGrom, Scherzer, Stroman, Thor rotation. And, oh my you know, gosh. I mean, how do you beat that? You know, unless injuries, you know, get to them, how do you beat that rotation? But that's also a lot of money vested in pitching. But like, is money well spent on pitching there? I think so. But then you got to answer all these other questions and it just goes in that circular loop. That's why this is going to be a fun offseason pod. But then you get like, if you get like a... Uh... Conforto to to accept that qualifying offer you get Mc, I think McNeil I think McNeil is a key part of the Mets lineup in the future I think he's it's Nimmo I think McNeil uh has shown he's starting to show trending back to who he is as a player um I love the way he plays baseball from the offensive side I could do without you know some of the the helmet slams and and all that stuff but he is a a bat to ball animal. And that is so rare in this game. And I love that style of hitting and it fits into, you know, for me, Pete Alonso has established himself as a true power hitter. He did it in his rookie season. 2020 was like a, a weird hiccup and I don't discount it, but it, it planted a seed of doubt. Can this guy hit 30 plus home runs every year? And to me, he's like, all right, this is who he is. He's, he's a 30 plus home run every year. Uh, one of the elite power hitters in the game. Uh, and I'm surrounding my, his, I'm surrounding him with people that get on base and then mixing in like a hobby bias. Javi bias, me, Nick Castellanos, a lot of options, you know? So Marcus Stroman is on the starting pitcher side of things. We, we trailed off a little bit there in the bullpen side of things. There's a kind of, kind of one that tugs at my heartstrings a little bit uh, because Jerry Sumilia's contract is up. He had his uh, two year deal with the Mets. And uh, it's going to be, he's going to be a free agent going into the offseason here. One of the better bullpen arms on the market. And, you know, signing guys to long-term deals uh, in the bullpen can be kind of a risky proposition because you don't know exactly what you're going to get from season to season. We try, we signed Trevor May to a three-year deal. That worked out, I think, he had a pretty good uh, first year with the Mets. Familia has pitched 466 games as a Met. He's been mostly a Met his entire career. He's going to be 32 years old. But... Is it time to let that era of Mets baseball end? Because I feel like Familia is one of these guys that's like a signifier of the past guard of Mets players with like your DeGroms and your Thors and stuff like that. I think this could be a, a chip falling off. And the Mets have proven that they have a good bullpen this year and have produced guys that have been, you know, effective in, in the bullpen with your Drew Smiths that we mentioned before and your Trevor Mays and stuff like that. 
Do you think that uh, Familia has a spot on the 2022 Mets? Is my question. Uh, I, I think so. Again, this is these are decisions that a front office is going to have to look at. They they they're going to need some flexibility a little bit more, I think, because they have talented guys like Drew Smith uh, that that need. They'll have options, so if he gets, they'll be able to bounce these guys around a little bit. Uh, I think Familia, he might be a, like a like a sign cheap, get a get a local discount because he loves it in New York. His family has got a house here. Like he loves new york and so i think if you can get him on the cheap he's a great bullpen arm i think he's got uh, some some good years left um hey, are those i think it'll knocking around Is that can what you I'm hear doing? him can yeah. you hear him right here yeah they're they're uh, i think they're getting ready to go outside for a scooter ride i'm glad That's you can sick. hear him thumping i'm happy for him they sound excited it's great yeah we'll keep that they're i mean this is constant they're little the little footsteps gotta but, keep it um, authentic i i again i i can't I can't. It's hard for me to be <laughs> unbiased because I love Familia so much. Uh, but I think I think he's I think he could fit in. He's going to help a bullpen no matter what. It all depends on on what it shapes. So what's a bullpen look like locked in next year? So you okay? Well, we have the locked in guys are Diaz, uh, Lugo, uh, Trevor May is under contract. Drew Smith is under team control. Those are your four key guys in my opinion. You have the guys that got injured and tailed off like Robert Gazelman. Uh, you have uh, Sean Reed Foley, Yenzi Diaz. But I think that, that there's a clear gap between those caliber players and the caliber players that I mentioned before in the top four. I think Familia is somewhere in the middle. Familia has been reliable for a really long time. He's like one of the all-time Mets save leaders. He's near the top there. So there is the you know the, the hard attachment uh, to him for me. Some fans despise uh, Familia, but uh, he's just been here so long that I can't hate him, even in his, you know, his lowest moments. Um, and it just depends. Do the Mets want to have this... Uh, the stall of really elite bullpen guys, sort of like the White Sox are doing with like their Hendricks, their Kimbrel, Garrett Crochet. Do you want that elite bullpen at the end? Because it's it has saved you a lot of games this year. Like the Mets didn't have a successful season, but without the bullpen being as good as they were, you know, this season goes down the toilet way earlier, in my opinion. And a big piece of that is also Aaron Loop, who's also a free agent and wants to come back. So that's a huge piece for me as well. That's the number one piece. Like we are talking about familiar here, but to me it's Aaron loop and give that guy all the monies, give him all the money. Every so you single want to talk money. about average, average annual value. Give him a two, give him a two year deal, a three year deal even because I covered it on the pre and post game a little bit. I broke it down. He's 33. Like that's older. It's, it's a fact. He's, he's had a great career coming into this season. Uh, and then this season, he's been elite, the best reliever we've had on our team by far, like a highlight of a, of a season full of disappointments. He's been an absolute revelation. While I don't expect him to have a one ERA next year or the next two years, I do expect him to remain at an elite level because he's done something this year that shows me that he's, he's, he's elevated his game is it he started to miss so many barrels like his slugging percentage the the damage he's done so this year he's faced all those guys he's only given up four doubles one triple and one home run and that home run was an opposite field homer to Juan Soto this year which in a game that they were up two runs he had a solo shot you know you, you, you you'll take it and Juan Soto was on an absolute another level um he's putting up Barry Bonds numbers the second half by the way uh but I think he's the key I think you lock him down for the next Give him a two-year deal with an option. He's going to take it. He's 33. He's going to have options out there, but he likes it here. He's pitched well here. He likes the guys here. 
uh, I think you can go get him. And he wants to be here. I think he's the key for next year. One ERA seasons don't fall out of the sky. We've seen some fluke seasons. We've seen, you know, guys that overperform with other analytics going on, but Aaron loop has figured something out this season that has basically brought him to another level. He's been in the league for, you know, I think over a decade now. Right. So, I mean, he's been reliable and that guy for so long, but to randomly jump to this level at 33 means you figured something out. So I think the Mets should capitalize on him wanting to stay. He had a great season last year in Tampa um and that bullpen and and that organization that front office those analytics guys helped him figure something out i imagine too and he just looks he looks the part and uh i'm excited i i hope we get him i i would be very disappointed if he goes uh to another team yeah and we we have plenty of other free agents to talk about and more looming decisions to go over but i think i think we can round it out there by just saying make Aaron loop a priority, get that done. He wants to come back. This is one thing that the Mets can't like. There is a, there's room for error on some things. There's no room for error on bringing Aaron. Loop. If this episode of ours, that's been all over the place from topics to technical issues. If you want to sum it up for us, this is, this is my sum sign Aaron loop. That's it. Give the man his money. Get it done. It's really, let him buy, let him buy a lifetime supply of bush lights um don't even let him buy it bring it into the clubhouse sponsor ask him, Hit him yeah, up. get a sponsor go out we're, we're new york like go out and put this guy on a billboard with a bush light it's it's it writes itself well uh we got a little today in mets history to round us out today uh this one goes all the way back to 1969 a pretty significant year in mets history obviously it was this day september 24th uh, in 69, and it was the first time in franchise history that the Mets went to the postseason. They clinched their first postseason berth. Don Clendenin and Ed Charles hit three home runs together, and uh, Gary Gentry, that's a name, uh, threw a complete game shutout in that victory for the Mets. They they finished their climb from last place uh, uh, to first place, which was really nice. They didn't do that this year, obviously, because they went from first to the middle of the pack, but uh, I digress. And then, of course, for Jog and Jerry's memory, this was a good one that I, I also found an interesting nugget from this. Uh, September 24th, 2013, back to Oakland A's, Jerry, that we mentioned before. He pitched two perfect innings against the Angels. He struck out Mark Trumbo and Hank Conger. The A's lost this game, but that made them 94 and 64. They were winning the division. I found out today that you didn't pitch in the 2013 playoffs. And I wonder, I, I don't know why. Can you explain it to me? I, I couldn't find anything where you. What I can't explain it to you. That is when I knew the writing was on the wall for my career in Oakland. Um, we had Brett Anderson, who's had an amazing career. He's, he's in, uh, we'll see him in Milwaukee. I don't think he's going to start against us, but uh, so he was, he was one of the, one of our starters, one of our big starters in Oakland. He had an injury. He was coming back that year and they put him in the bullpen and he put, he took my spot. And this is, this is one of the things where, like if we get Billy Bean, this is one of the reasons why I love him so much. And I think he's a great fit. And I, I love playing for him. Um, I went into his office because I went to Bob Melvin and Bob Melvin says, look, or I go, Bob, why am I not pitching? I've done this for you for, you know, two plus years. Like this is when our season's on the line. Why am I not throwing in these, these situations? Uh, and Bob says that that's coming from above me. And he goes, if you, if you have an issue with that, go, go see you know, Billy, Billy B. And I was like, perfect. So I went to Billy's office and I sat down and I was like, uh, Billy, like, why am I not throwing in these situations? And he told me because Brett's a better pitcher than you. Wow. Yeah. And it, he's not, he's not being mean to me. 
he said, he says, this is why. And as a player, that's the truth. He thinks, he thinks Brett Anderson is better than me. And he's in, in overall evaluations, he's correct. But I, I told him like, look, you're, you're right in the grand scheme of things. I go, but in this situation, it's different. I am, this is my job. These are things that I've been doing my whole career. Brett doesn't necessarily know how to harness his capabilities in those situations. And he goes, look, uh, this, this, you know, I think Brett's better than you in these situations. So he's going to pitch. And as a boss telling me, his employee, that that's the truth, I can't argue with that because those are facts. He's not blowing smoke. He's not saying, you know, we had this thing where, you know, we thought we were feeling a little bit of matchup or you're great or we didn't want to overwork you. He didn't give me any of that. It was it was that moment where I was like, all right, well, my 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 presence here in Oakland has kind of probably run its course. And I ended up getting traded that offseason. I hold no ill will. The, the truth was the truth again i disagreed with him but this is he told me the truth which most people don't do yeah that's fair you had uh the only reason why i shocked me is because you had a 3.15 that season in over 60 games and then i just checked and brett anderson had a 27 era in the 2013 playoffs so i don't know if they got that decision right but i i would agree with you there was again he's he's a starter it's a different breed especially especially in the bullpen it turned out that, you know, who knows what I would have done. I think I would have, you know, my track record in the playoffs is if you can look that up speaks for itself. We've talked about yeah. it. Yeah. And so, and so he, you know, people make wrong decisions. Uh, Brett's Brett's a hell of a pitcher and he is a better pitcher than me, but at my job, I think I was better than him. I think you had him beat there, dude. Well, hopefully Billy doesn't make any wrong decisions. If he does come over to the, Boy, guess what? You learn from things. You learn from things. I, I promise you, he's not, he's not putting, you know, don't think so. David Peter, he's not putting David Peterson into Aaron Loop's position. Ooh. Just because they're left the same thing. Yeah, that's what I mean. Just because he's left-handed doesn't mean he gets lefties out better in that situation. But I digress. Just sign Loop. Let's make it happen. Sign Loop. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good way to end the episode. Get Loop. Get him back. <laughs> worry about everything else later. Uh, thank you guys for uh, for sitting with us for this uh, basically hour-long off-season discussion. There's going to be plenty more of this. Hopefully some fun uh, interviews to come uh, in the offseason for Shea Station. Plenty of fun stuff coming. Uh, but for John Boy Media today, I'm Jolly Olive. I'm Larry Blevins, and thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks for bearing with our technical difficulties as well. Let's go, Mets. Call strike three. Jacob DeGrom. Alonzo to his left.